I'm going to have to jump right in because we're going to have to hit this pretty fast, pretty quick, and pretty hard if y'all are going to have time to discuss. I've got a lot of information, a lot of notes this morning. We're going to talk about identifying the enemy in our lives. And as we talk about these things and talk about the enemy, you're going to see that sometimes the enemy is, is a lot more subtle than what we tend to expect. As a matter of fact, we like to say it this way, or I like to say it this way, that oftentimes the enemy isn't out there, it's in here, right? And so because the enemy's in here, we have a difficult time identifying that enemy a lot of times. But it's not anything new. Uh, Satan's got his schemes. The schemes of the devil are still out there. They're, they're still, even though he's been defeated in Christ, uh, I don't know that he's been defeated in us. He has in Christ in us, but we do know that he still brings temptation. Uh, there's still, in Ephesians, he's known as the prince of the air. Uh, in Revelation, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to look up Revelation 6-2. I'm going to start there this morning, but let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for these men. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts, Lord. This is an awakening message. So, Father, may, we, may our spirits be awakened this morning. And, Father, may we fight the good fight of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now, if I were to just stop with that scripture, and that's all the scripture you heard this morning, who is this rider? Good. Who said it? Guys, man, you guys, you're scared now. See, back when you were in Sunday school, what would you say? Jesus! You know, because it was the answer to every question. However, if you answered that Jesus, you answered wrong. Let, yeah, so, so now I'm going to have to tell you wrong. So look at this. Let's look at it again because it does look like Jesus. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow. He was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror, been on conquest. Now, when you read that, if you were just to pull that excerpt and not read, read it in context, what happens is, is it sounds like Jesus. This is actually the Antichrist. And, and so what you'll find is he's actually, uh, as far as the white horse, he's on a, a pale horse. Jesus is on, am I telling you right? Okay, I'm just making sure. Some of you are looking at me like, well, I don't know. Mine doesn't say that. I know the, the, the pale and the white and some of these are a little bit different colored, off-colored, but just stay with me here. It depends on what version you're reading. All right, the white or pale horse, it's interesting because the white or pale horse uh, looks like the horse that Jesus comes back on. What does Jesus truly ride back on? The white horse. I mean, it's, it's, it's a white horse. So the white horse is a horse of purity, complete purity. It's a victor's horse. Um, he has a bow, but does he have any arrows? Isn't that interesting? So he's carrying a bow, but no arrows. It's pretty useless. Now, what does Jesus carry on his return? A sword. Good, that's right, a sword. And a, a sword that is sharpened on both sides. It cuts to the very marrow, to the very soul of, of us. The, the type of crown that you see, see here is a Stephanos crown. So this writer has what's known as a Stephanos in the Greek. That, that simply means this. It's a victor's crown. And Jesus wears a diadem. You know what a diadem is? It's a crown of royalty. All right? Jesus has already been victorious. He's already been crowned with this crown. That's no more. Now he's got the reigning crown because he's a reigning, he is the reigning God. And so with this, with this I just want to point out a couple of things. That scripturally, this counterfeit looks like Jesus. 
He can be difficult to recognize. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 17, 20. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Meaning that ravenous is an appetite that can never be satisfied. They just continue to eat, eat, eat. So, so Satan wants things to look like this is what's good for you. This is what's best for you. This is the direction you should go. If he could, he, he would just place a counterfeit Christ so that you would follow a false god. My point is this, that sometimes the enemy is hard to identify, but we must pay attention in our own lives to identify the enemy. I'll tell you a funny story I, I put in here to share the story about the desert night. So my desert night story is, is simply this. When I was in the Army, we were uh, in a training in, in uh, Fort Bliss, El Paso, just one of the prettiest places on earth, and you want to go there and visit. I'm just kidding. All right, guys, it's really, and we were, we were out in the desert, <laughs> we were out in the desert, and, and we'd been out there for a couple of weeks, and we were actually, um, everything was culminating to a battle the last night, and we were wearing Miles gear, and the Miles gear is, is just basically laser tag, it's just a, uh, and, and you fire blank rounds in your M16, M16, but the cool thing about Miles gear is this, this may be FYI, more information than what you want to know, you can put this in your pocket and carry it home, but the neat thing about Miles Gear is if you were firing an M16, the maximum effective range was still 460 meters, which is what it actually fires. The same thing with the M60. So the 60-gunner, uh, maximum effective range would be about 1,100 meters. And, and because you were firing blanks, every time those things hit or tapped, it fires the laser. And so it's a, it's a neat, we were playing Army, if you will, like kids playing Army, but we're adults, they're supposed to be anyway. So we're, uh, we're, we're going, and, and uh, I was on one, we went on night patrols every single night and would get in some type of uh, battle or some type of fight that was set up by the commanders. I mean, we didn't know that we were going to engage the enemy or where we were going to engage the enemy. We, we knew we would engage the enemy at some point in time during the night. We did no training in the day because it was so hot in the day that all of our training we did at night. So we were going one night, and I was called to be the number two man. The number two man carries the radio, number two from the front and number two from the back. So I was carrying the radio, had the radio on, on me, and we're, we're going through, and I'm getting uh, the commands on as far as where to go. And, and, and so we, we come up on this road, and we're walking, and I'm with, with my, uh, basically with my squad at that time, and the platoon was coming quite a ways behind me, and and uh, as we approached, the uh, sergeant in front of me turned around and said, all right, uh, Corporal House, here's the deal. Uh, man, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I saw something in the distance. And so I'm going to go ahead and send you forward, and I want you to look and just pay attention and just get on the radio immediately if you see anything. So I start going up through, through the, the brush and everything. If you've, if you've been in that area, you know that it grows uh, uh, sage everywhere and so I'm trying to go through the sage and I trip a trip wire and when I trip the trip wire a flare goes up and immediately CS gas starts going everywhere well I didn't know which way to run I just knew you're not supposed to run I had my gas mask right here but instead of donning my gas mask I just decided I would run and it didn't work I tripped I guess on the trip wire fell right next to the gas can and I was out like that so as I was out I, uh, um, I don't know how long I was out. I have no idea. Um, I just know that when I came to, I was trying to remember where I was and why I was there. And 
all of a sudden this, this uh, squad starts crossing right in front of me. And I get up on, and I'm sitting on my knee, and they look at me, and uh, their number two guy was not the radio. And somewhere, their radio man had got picked off. See, so if the miles gear gets hit, an alarm goes off, and you have to go back to camp because the sergeant major is the one that has the key to turn the alarm off. So, so evidently, their number two man had been shot. Well, they see me sitting there on my knee, and the guy's just like, hey, over here, line up, get in with us. Well, what he didn't recognize was that, in their squad, they were the enemy, and the way we identified the enemy was they had leafed out their camo. So if you know the Kevlar that you wear and everything else, they uh, put, uh, they cut vines and different things off, and they, it's called leafing them out. So they leafed out. If, if you were looking at two of us, one of us just had camouflage on. The other one it would have branches coming out of his Kevlar and everything. They didn't even notice. And so he just noticed that I had the radio. He thought I was their radio man, so... He just called me to get second in line. So I get second in line, and we're going, and I'm radioing in. Hey, I'm with the enemy. They have no idea that I'm in their midst. And we are going to approach the battle from the southwest corner at about these coordinates, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so two squads from the platoon I'm assigned to go, and we walk right between them, and they annihilate us. Now, no doubt I got assassinated, too, in the deal, but... The, the cool thing was, here, here it is, they could not identify the enemy. The importance of us, this is what bothered me, I, I'll just, I'm just going to say it. It bothered me when Obama would not identify the enemy, when, when, it would not say terrorist. You've got to identify the enemy so that your own soldiers, your own people around you, as Christians, now I'm not saying for Christians that we have to go around and call everyone terrorists. I'm, I'm saying that we need to learn how and who the enemy is and learn how to identify him so that we are not tempted in ways that we shouldn't be tempted, much less be, be led astray. There is a risk of being led astray by the enemy. We all know this. If, if, if we were talking about the enemy today or some of the enemies today, what would those be in our lives as men? What would the enemy be as men in our lives today? Beer. Beer. <laughs> it depends on who you talk to. <laughs> okay, anger, pride, loneliness, definitely. Some other, so uh, lust, passion, pornography, if you want to start putting names to the enemy, right? And, and so... We, we become a little bit, if we're not careful, immune to what the enemy is or what he looks like, and, and we can be pulled in. I mean, there are certain uh, uh, shows, I'm sure, and, and beyond movies. If, if you were to think a uh, very, very popular thing that I've been noticing on Facebook is binge watching. Have you ever heard of a, of a binge watch? It's, it's where these, if somebody's off on a day, they, 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 they don't have to go to work, well, They'll binge watch a series. If you have ever, you know what I'm talking about. They just watch episode after episode because you can get it on Netflix or something like that. And so, so what happens is we we get involved in these stories and think that hey, that this is what life should look like or this is what life truly is. It's not true. It's the same thing. I mean, years ago it was soap operas. It looks to me like today it's binge watching. But just even the simple little things that we think, well, it's normal to look at other women. It's normal to. Uh, uh, lust after that. I mean, if God didn't want us to look, look at them, he wouldn't have made them that way. 
Right? It's God's fault. I'm just saying, guys. So it's not true, but we have to learn to identify the enemy because as we identify the enemy, this is what we can do. We can begin to say, hey, if I can't defeat the enemy, I know I've got a squad with me. I've got other men that can help me, right, defeat the enemy. You learn something on Sunday. Sunday, you learn the Greek word, parakletos. What does that stand for? Parakletos. You're supposed to learn this Sunday. Men! Okay, good. Warrior partner, that's, that's one of the words that can go with parakletos. Now, in, in, in most of your uh, studies, you've probably come across, across that with the Holy Spirit, that word with the Holy Spirit, helper, friend, comforter, but it also means warrior. So it's someone who has your back. So this parakletos, I talked about this Sunday, that if we are the temple of the parakletos, and Jesus says where two or three are gathered, that means that he brings us men together to fight battles against the enemy, to take on ground, to take up ground, to move forward, not move behind. And so in order to do that, sometimes we can't defeat the enemy on our own. I mean, there's no doubt Jesus has already defeated it, but we need the Jesus in me and the Jesus in you to get over hurdles in our lives. We need one another, men. And and in needing one another and walking with one another, this is what we see. This is, this is, we begin to identify enemies one for another. Be careful, that's out there. Hey, I noticed that you were visiting uh, with this woman over by your car the other day after church, and I know she's recently divorced. Uh, you probably asked if you could help her out. I'm just going to caution you, be careful, right? Just, just ways of seeing out, looking out one for another. We learn how to recognize the enemy by walking in faith together. So, here we go. Abraham Lincoln once said this. He said, be sure you put your feet in the right places, and once your feet are there, then stand firm. Stand firm for one another. See, even the most spiritual people or the self-proclaimed spiritual Christian people are fighting wars that have already been won and losing battles that should be fought. Did you hear me? I'll repeat that. Even the most spiritual people or self-proclaimed spiritual Christian people are fighting wars oftentimes that have already been won and losing battles that should be fought. In other words, how's your marriage this morning? How's your quiet time? How are your kids doing? Are you passing faith to faith? on with your children, teaching them how to pray, teaching them how to read, teaching them that there are resources in their own walk, passing it on to the next generation? See, sometimes we're so worried about the political fight that we forget the fight that's in our very own household. We don't even see that battle. We don't even recognize the enemy when he enters our garden. We have to be careful and ask ourselves some questions. What about sin? I, I talked about this two, three weeks ago. What about sin, Satan, and death? You know, death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated in Christ Jesus. Satan's been defeated in Christ Jesus. You know, but in us, has he been defeated? Only in Christ. Without Christ, there is no hope. We'll never even recognize, much less see the enemy, because he doesn't have to reveal himself. We're already following him. Jeremiah 17, 9, our own heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Revelation 20, 11 through 15, this is during the millennial reign of Jesus. Satan will be bound and yet some will still rebel. 
No more excuses that the devil made me do it. Think about this. In the millennial reign of Christ, all right, and, and the way Revelation unpacks this picture, now I'm, I'm fully aware uh, that there are many interpretations on this particular scripture, but as, as Satan is allowed or, or is bound up and Jesus comes and he reigns for a thousand years, there will still be people that rebel. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's, it just blows my mind that if Jesus were standing here today, that some would rebel. But that's, that's just, that's, that's how easy our own lives, our own selves can deceive us. So, let me ask you a question. Does it make a difference having Christ in your life? That's an easy one. Of course, Satan has been defeated or the scripture is not true. Satan has been defeated, but it's, he's only defeated in Christ. So Christ in us is the hope of glory. We have to not lean in on our own strength, but lean on the strength and the finished work of the cross. And as we do that, we learn how to identify the enemy. What's not of God is the enemy. Colossians 2, 14 and 15, by canceling the record of debt, this is just Jesus, that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them into open shame by triumphing over them in him. Hebrews 2, 14, since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that, that though death or that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. So he destroyed the power of death, right, through Jesus' resurrection. Romans 5, 17, For if by one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, you know this scripture, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. So what I'm trying to take us to is identifying the enemy, conquering, defeating the enemy in our own lives through Christ in us, and moving on so that we can be men who reign in Christ. Is most of us grew up with a theology of thinking this, that if only I could be good enough. And what happens with that theology is we try to be good, good.